God, we love you, and we are just grateful to be in this space at this time, God, just to be able to worship, to be able to dive into your word. God, it's, it's an honor to be able to be here again. And, and God, I'm just so excited for the ways in which you're moving in our, wits, the, in our midst, the ways in which you will continue to move in our midst. And God, I just pray even now that you would just continue to guide and direct and show us where you would have us to go, God. We don't want to go anywhere if you are not in it. And so God, I just pray that you would continue to guide and direct and that we would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear to be able to follow where you lead. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, new series this morning. Uh, it's new, quote unquote new. Uh, we've been doing our Rooted series every year uh, for a long time as we have talked about who we are here at Fresno First. Who, who has God called us to be at Fresno First? We talk about our mission and our core values to connect and to grow and to serve. Believe it or not, we are entering year eight <laughs> of this mission to connect and to grow and to serve. Uh, and I can still remember the, the very first meeting that we had seven years ago uh, talking about this exact thing. I remember sitting with the board and uh, we just had a whiteboard. We had a big whiteboard in the back room where the, well, it's, the whiteboard's probably still there in the kids' room. Uh, and uh, that was a boardroom then. Uh, there wasn't enough kids to fill that. And then the, amen to that. Amen. Uh, and, uh, but we had the boardroom back there and we were talking about what does it look like for our church? If we were going to be quote unquote successful, what are the people at our church look like? Well, and we had this list. We want them to be caring. We want them to be compassionate. We want them to be people who know the word. We want people who, 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 who are engaged in the community, who are going to serve, who are empowered to serve, uh, good stewards, Christ-like. Uh, and as we looked at this list, these three words really kind of just fell off the board to us. Connect, grow, and serve. Every single one of those things on that board fit into one of those three categories. And it was, it was just a, a kind of an aha moment of this is who God has called us to be. And I believe now, even more than I did seven years ago, that the best days of this church are not behind us, but they are in front of us as we follow God's lead to tell, and as we go where he is calling us to go. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I left that board meeting that night, and I was just so pumped because I felt like we were on the leading edge of something, right? We were, this is, this is going to be amazing. Uh, we had just come up with something new. God has given us this, this new thing. And, uh, you know, I was right about one of those things. God definitely had given us this mission to connect and grow and serve. But in no way, shape, or form is this new. It's just not. It's, it's not new uh, and in fact, I, I, we'll just go there with you. I, I left feeling really awesome, like we were on the front edge, but this, this is not anything that is new. In fact, go to, go to Acts chapter 2 with me. Uh, if you're in our Pew Bible, you need a page, it's on page 937. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is really the very beginning of the church. And in the very beginning of the church, I want you to just, just listen to this and focus on on this passage and think about the church here and what they were called to do. Well, how did they live? How did they act? How did they move and breathe? It says, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
Now, I want you to notice this in this passage. And some of you are like, Pastor Chris, you've said this before. But I want you to notice this again in this passage. What were they devoted to? They were devoted to meeting together, to being together. Sounds a lot like connect to me. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, which talked about communion, but also connect, being together, but talking about communion. They were devoted to, to the apostles' teaching. What are they talking about? Devoted to growth. They, they gave to anyone who had need. They were devoted to one another. What does that look like? That is serve. The early church was all about connect, grow, and serve. And so I had to get off my high horse a little bit. Like we had just discovered this new ministry plan that God has given us in 2014 at that point, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it was like, okay, this is, I had to step down off my high horse, but at the same time, be encouraged. Because God is calling us to something, but he's calling us to something that he even called the early church to. We are not the first people, nor will we be the last people to feel this call to connect and to grow and to serve. God is calling us to the same thing that he called the early church to, to connect, to connect people with people, to grow, to connect people with God, and to serve, to connect God to the world. This is what it is all about. So for the next three weeks, uh, we're going to unpack these three callings. We're going to talk about what this looks like here for us at Fresno First Church in the year 2022. This week is going to be our Connect Week. We're going to talk about what it looks like to connect. Typically, the Connect Week is the easiest week because it's the one that happens out of these three. It's the one that happens the most naturally. Right? We, we see people, we talk to people, we greet people, we handshake people, we hug people, we, we connect. Right? We, but, but the last couple years have been a little different. And in fact, if you really think about it, even before that, things were starting to change a little bit. People were starting to get a little more private. People were starting to, to not really get out as much. People were starting to, to not have as many close friends. It was about having a, this this tighter group of people around you. These last couple years have been different. So to connect, you're going to hear me say this word a lot over the next coming years, and you've probably heard me say it a lot anyways. We're going to have to be a lot more intentional about how we do things in terms of connection. Right? We were created for relationship. We really were. You go back to Genesis chapter 2, 18, it's not good for man to be alone. We were created for relationship. And if the pandemic showed us anything, it is, that's absolutely true. Right? It is absolutely true that we were created for relationship. It's not good for us to be alone. Relationships are so important, especially as Christians. And we need people in our lives who are going to, to speak truth. We need people in our lives who are going to sit and allow us to vent and just sit and let us let us talk about what's going on in our lives. We need people who are going to push us and challenge us. We need people who are going to, going to vouch for us in situations. We need these people in our lives. We need these relationships. So today, what I want to talk about is really three different relationships that we need to have in our lives. Three relationships that we need to focus on, especially this year. To how, can we, how can we build these relationships that we so desperately need, especially in the church? Here's the first one. We need relationships with people who are going to encourage us. And I'm not talking cheerleader, rah-rah, encourage. I'm talking about someone that's going to build you up. Someone that's going to make you better. Encourage you and push you. That's the kind of relationship that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about someone who just 
sits on the sideline and just is a yes man, says good job to you. I'm talking about someone who really deeply encourages you. Uh, Encouragement really was the key. If we go back to the early church, encouragement was the key. Uh, That's what they focused on a lot. In fact, one of the leaders at the time, Barnabas, his name literally means son of encouragement. It was so important for them to just encourage one another. They knew the importance. In fact, if we just take a quick tour through the book of Acts, which we're going to do, uh, you'll see how encouragement played such a huge role into the church. You skip over to Acts chapter 15. We're already in Acts chapter 2, so I'm not going to give you the page number, but just skip over to Acts chapter 15 with me. Uh, And in Acts chapter 15, we see uh, Judas and Silas, they are out preaching. They go out, they teach, and they preach. But listen to what they do in chapter 15, starting in verse 30. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. They went there, and yeah, they were going to preach and teach, but but what is the the very first thing that we talk about these people doing? They were encouragers. They, They were there to encourage them. You skip over just one chapter, chapter 16, starting in verse 40. Uh, Paul and Silas, they get out of prison. They're in prison, by the way, for preaching the gospel. And they get out of prison. The very first place they go is to this house in verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. <laughs> they were there. Hey, we're out of prison. Just want to encourage you. I'm out. They were there purely to encourage the believers there. That's why they went there. They went there to encourage them. Skip a few more chapters over to chapter 20. Uh, In chapter 20, Paul is about to leave. Uh, He's about to go and and see other believers. Uh, And he's going around doing what? He's going around encouraging. Starting at verse 1, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, said goodbye and sent out from Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months. What was Paul doing as he was traveling? He was encouraging believers. Now, he, was, he was probably still preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. I mean, he does get imprisoned more than once because of this, right? But he was probably doing all that same. What was he doing with the other believers? He was encouraging them. That's what he was doing. He was going around traveling to encourage them. You get to the book of Romans, which is a letter that Paul wrote. Uh, It's actually the next book in the Bible, so I won't tell you a page number on that either. You can just skip over to Romans. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 11. uh, Paul is is there, and here's what he says in this letter to the Romans. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, he kind of defines what he's talking about, this spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. This is just so, so important for Paul that we are a people of encouragement, that he would go around and, and encourage the other believers. And here's what he means by encourage. He's not just talking about, he's not going to, the, to these churches and cheering them on. You can't read the book of Romans and think it's like a rah-rah letter to the church in Rome. Right, this is the, he's encouraging them in their faith in the sense that he is pushing them on. He is spurring them on to go deeper, to go further, to look more and more like this Jesus that they follow. 
This is what it means to encourage the believers. This is what the, the early disciples were doing with the believers. This is what Paul was doing in Rome. I mean, you get to the rest of the New Testament, and there are, there are 59 one another passages. Do this to one another. Do this to one another. Do this for one another. Many of them are about encouragement. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, or chapter 5. Encourage one another, build each other up, just as you are doing. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 just says encourage one another. The, the bottom of your, of your notes page there, Hebrews chapter 13, or 3, verse 13. Encourage one another, as long as it's called today. I don't see an end to that. Right, encourage one another. The bottom line here is we need to be people who encourage each other. And we need to have people in our lives who encourage us. So here's the question, two questions for you. Two questions on each of these notes. And as, I, as I'm talking, I want you to think about these questions for the coming ones too. I forgot to mention this earlier. Here's a question for you. Do you have someone in your life who is a Barnabas kind of person? Who encourages you? Who spurs you on? Who pushes you forward? Here's the second question. Are you a Barnabas? Do you encourage others? Do you push each other in their faith? Do you push people forward in their faith? Those two questions I want you to think about. And we'll, we'll come back to that at the end, but think about it as I'm talking about the next two as well. Do you have a person and are you this person? Are you, do you have a Barnabas? Are you a Barnabas? Here is the second relationship that we all need in our lives this year. It's this relationship. We need someone in our lives who will help us find strength in God. So in our lives is going to help us find strength in God. Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever gone through a time, a hard time in your life, and just had someone sit with you and listen to what was going on? And when they're done listening, it's not about trying to fix your problem. It's just gentle reminders. God's on your side. God is with you. God is in control. We, we see these gentle reminders that you can find strength in God. Do you have, have you ever been in that situation where you've been in a hard time and you've just been able to say, you know, we can find our strength in God. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament for this one. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. Uh, that's on page 250 if you're in our pew Bibles and you're, and you're looking for it. 1 Samuel chapter 23, uh, where it's a story of David. Uh, David is not king yet. Saul is still the king, but the people love David. Like, they love David. They have this song that they sing about how Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands, right? That Saul is better, or David is better than Saul is basically what they're trying to talk about. As you can imagine, Saul, the king at the time, doesn't really appreciate this song. He doesn't really appreciate the thought that, that David is somehow better than him, even though he's king. Uh, Saul, so he he's, goes out and he's literally trying to kill David. And we catch up with the story in chapter 23, verse 15. David is running from Saul. And Jonathan, Saul's son, actually finds David. It's David's friend. Finds him and he sits with him. And, and this is what it says, starting in verse 15. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. 
Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. Now, I'm not sure I can think of a more horrifying thought than hiding someplace, knowing that the king is after me, and then his son walks up <laughs> like... He knows where I'm at. (laughs) And he's coming. He's coming to kill me. But what does Jonathan do? Jonathan sits with him in this moment, in, in his hiding, sits with him, and just reminds him of what God thinks about him. Remember, at this point, David already knows that he has been, he's already been anointed king. He knows that he's going to take over Saul. And Jonathan just reminds him, look, no. Don't be afraid. God has told you what you are going to do. And even my dad knows this. He's trying to stop it, but he he knows. This is what God has for you. This is is God's plan for your life. Just, Just reminding him that God is on his side. And I love this verse. In verse 16, Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. In a moment of weakness, in a moment of fear, in a moment of just not knowing, in a moment of uncertainty. The king is after me. He wants me dead. But the king's son, Jonathan, goes to him, helps him find strength in God. I think this goes without saying, we all need a Jonathan. We all need someone in our lives who is going to sit with us in the midst of pain and heartache and uncertainty and talk to us about, this is what God's plan for you is. is. Here's some scriptures about what God says, what God thinks about you. This is this from, uh, from knowing you. I know that God has called you to this. And if God has, has called you to this, it will come to fruition. Just reminding us of the promises that we find in Scripture of God. We need people who are going to sit with us in the times of need, which, by the way, this year, 2022, most likely you'll have one of these times. It's just life. But we need someone who's going to be able to sit with us and be a Jonathan. So two questions. Are you a Jonathan? And do you have a Jonathan? Are you a Jonathan? Do you have a Jonathan in your life? We need these relationships. Here's the last one that I want to talk about this morning, especially for this year. We need someone who's going to speak truth into our lives. We need someone who's going to speak truth into our lives. We'll stick with David here. 2 Samuel, the next book of the Bible, chapter 12, is where we're going to be. If you want to skip ahead there. Uh, 2 Samuel, chapter 11, is a pretty famous chapter, the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, David sinning and taking another man's wife for himself, ends up killing the other guy. We know kind of this story. I won't go through all of it, but David and Bathsheba is one of those stories that probably, if you think about it, David wouldn't want told. Uh, and this blows me away, by the way. I, I Just think about this, just a side note. How amazing is the faithfulness of Israel to still write down these stories? Like to still write down all of the failures that they had 
you would think that it would be really easy to kind of skip over the, those parts, <laughs> skip over the, the, the parts that we don't really want to share and just talk about all the good things that God has done for Israel. But no, we have, the Old Testament is filled with times that Israel has screwed up and gone the wrong way and gone against God. And just, just think about this. How amazing is the faithfulness of Israel to still keep track of all those things? Side note. This is one of those stories, though, that David probably wouldn't want told. But it's there. And in the very next chapter, chapter 12, God sends Nathan to David to have a little talk. <laughs> and here's what he says. We're going to read a little bit here in chapter 12. The Lord said to Nathan, sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, it grew up with him and his children, it shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David, hearing this story, burned with anger against the man. And said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you're that guy. He says, you are that man. David, that's, that's a story about you. David, you have, you've done exactly what this rich man did to the poor man. This is on you. Now, I look at this, and I, the, the sole purpose that Nathan was there talking with David was to just speak truth into his life. And I very much understand that Nathan is a prophet, and that was his job. But we still need people like that in our lives. People who are going to speak truth in our lives, who are going to, going to see through some of the things that, some of the acts that we put on, some of the things that we're going through and say, look, we need to, this is not right. We need accountability in our lives. Accountability is huge. It needs to be out of relationship, though. Here's the thing. God sent Nathan as a prophet. Prophets, as we've talked about last year, are people who literally come and speak for God. Here's the thing. I don't really think any of us are necessarily prophets. <laughs> but all of us have relationships with people that we know deeply. We know when they're struggling with something. We know when they're not living the way that they think they are living. And when you grow that close to someone, which goes back to Connect, which we're talking about, you're able to sit there and to say, look, you're that guy. You're that girl. You're that woman. This is, this is a story about you not being faithful to God. And then there's accountability on the other side of that to say, how can I help you? How can I, how can I help you move around this and live the life that God is calling you to live? How can I, how can I keep you on the right path? So two questions. Do you have a Nathan? 
Do you have someone that you're close enough to in your life that is able to, to call you out when you're on the wrong path? Do you have someone that sees you and knows you and knows you deep enough to know that you're not living the way that you should be living and, and not, probably not living the way that you think you're living? Do you have someone in your life that can sit and call you out and be that Nathan? And, and maybe it's not a story about a little lamb, but it's something that just says, hey, look, you're that guy. This is you. This is not the way I think you're trying to live, but this is what I see from the outside. Can I help you? Can I, be, can you, can I help you with some accountability here? Because we want to be on the right track. Do you have a Nathan? Here's a, a better question. Do you know someone on a deep enough level where you could be a Nathan? Do you know someone on a deep enough level? Are you, are you that in with someone, that deep in relationship with someone that you are able to sit with them and to call them out on sin or anything else that is going on in their lives? And here's what I want us to think about this year. Every one of us needs Barnabas. Every one of us needs Jonathan. Every one of us needs a Nathan. Maybe you have been listening, and as I've, I didn't say this too early, but thinking of people that fit that role in your life. And if you have, if, you, if you've written down names or if you've thought about names of people in your life that fit that role, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to, to write them a note. Put it in the mailbox. No, we don't do that much these days. Stamps are, I don't even actually know how much stamps are. I really don't. <laughs> it tells you how long it's been for me. And Rachel usually buys the stamps anyway, so I, I honestly have no idea. Drop an actual note in the mail and send it to them. And just say, hey, I want to thank you for being so encouraging to me. I want to thank you for being the encouragement that I need in my life. You have, you have pushed me forward in faith more than you could know, and I just want to say thanks. Or hey, you, <laughs> I didn't like it at the time, but thank you for calling me out on this part of my life. I have grown forward in my faith because of your influence on my life. Or hey, thank you so much. A couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, going through a hard time and when you just sat on the phone and talked to me or maybe you sat in my living room and just just let me vent it meant more than you could ever imagine and just drop those notes in the mail just say thank you for those people that God has put in your life and be aware of it this year. Be aware of those people. <laughs> Deepen those relationships with those people and think about other people in your life that you can be that person too. We, we need these people in our lives. So I want you to, to think about this this week. If you have those people in your life, write them a note. If not, if you don't have those people in your life, that's okay too. That's, the, that's why I want to talk about it today because we need these people in our lives. So if you don't have one of those people or all three of those people in your life, I want you to think about, okay, what can I do this year? What can I do over the next 11 months 
to be able to build these relationships, to be able to have a Barnabas, to be able to have a Jonathan or have a Nathan in my life? How can, I, how can I deepen the relationships that I need to be able to have those people in my life? And just pray that God would, would help you along that way, to help you make those friends, deepen those relationships with those friends to be able to do that. Also, pray about this. Is God calling you to be one of those people? Is God calling you to be a Barnabas and encourage people? Is God calling you to be a Jonathan and just sit with people in their pain and be able to, I guess, encourage them, but also just build them up and remind them what God has for them, help them find strength in God? Or is God calling you to be a Nathan? Here's the thing about being called to be a Nathan. You can't just start out being a Nathan. It doesn't go over well when your very first conversation with someone is, hey, I see this about you and I think you need to change. It just, it just doesn't. It does, it just trust me, it doesn't go well, all right? We need to build those relationships. Are there any relationships that you have already that you just need to take a step forward and say like, hey, look, I know you enough to be able to say this, I think. Out of love, I see this in you. I can't be in prayer about which of those three things you can be in your relationships with others as well. We were built for relationship. We were made to connect. From the early church to Fresno First Church in 2022, we are all made to connect. We're made to be in relationship. And I'm, I'm hopeful that over the next 11 months as we continue out through 2022 and, and even with, with everything that, that may go on, that we would be people who build these relationships, that would have a Jonathan, be a Jonathan, that would have a Barnabas and be a Barnabas, that would have a Nathan and be a Nathan to someone else, that would encourage, that would help people find strength in God, and that would help keep people accountable and call them out when they are on the wrong path. That, that is the people that we need to be, the people that we need to have this year. Connect. We're called to be a church that connects. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we are just grateful again to be able to be in here, to be able to dive into your word. God, I pray that as we, as we go forward from this place, that you would just continue to speak to us, continue to move. If we have not been able to think of anybody that is a Barnabas or a Jonathan or an Nathan, would you just remind us of maybe those people who are already in our lives that we just don't even know they're there? Would you show us their faces, give us their names, just, just give us an idea of who they are so we can say thank you, that we can encourage, that we can uh, just continually build those relationships. God, we are, we're built for relationship and we need each other. Our Thursday night small group knows this well. We really do need each other. Uh, this is so true in our lives. Would we uh, just foster these and nurture these relationships over the coming year? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, as we go, let me just say, say a blessing over you. It is good to be back, by the way. Have I said that yet? It's good to be back. Good to have you. <laughs> Thank you. May our God, God of grace and love, and peace go with you this week. May he give you encouragement. May he remind you where your strength can be found. May he speak truth to you if that's what you need through someone else. 
And may you have courage this week to go out and to make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Allow God to use you in the ways that you are gifted. And go in peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.